Well, uh, welcome to another episode of the Daily Combat Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stockbridge, joined as always by my co-pilot, co-anchor, co-double bicep poser, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and joined by our very (laughs) special guest here with his own double biceps on display. So all viewers getting all double, double biceps all episode long. It's Joe the Vanilla Gorilla Brown, and very fortunately, we are also joined today by another colour, an alternative colour for those people that are watching from home. It's Daniel White Dragon White, um, so I hope you don't mind my use of your fight name there, Daniel. No, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I must do that too. Hey, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Now, oh, there we go. You've got your own double. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your arms are way bigger. Have you been training? Of course, always, always. No, but they're not bigger. No, it's just the angles. It's all angles and lighting, smoke and mirrors. You know. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Daniel, now you have been weight training, and how how long have you been weight training for? Well, I think our first session, and you might have even been present for this, Dave. I'm not sure. It was about in 1988. So, so probably, uh, yeah, 1988. So what's that? And do you remember where you were? Was this was this in the shed? Was this with some home weights or? No, this was this was at uh, Fremont High School in the in the gymnasium. It was one of the one of the PE teachers took us for a weight training session. Yes. And do you know it, you can at never replicate, you can never replicate the delayed onset muscle soreness from your fir- very first workout? And I specifically <laughs> remember the next Paralyzing. day, the whole next week. You know, every muscle was just so bloody sore and it's never been like that since. But, yeah, that was the first session. Chasing that feeling for the last 35, 40 years. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So that was um, about, I don't know, 35 years ago or something, something like that. And so that was your introduction to it. And and when when that uh, first um, episode of Dom's, uh, when the pain started to reside, did you jump straight back into the weights as as soon as you could or was there a period of – a time before you um, stepped back into the gym or, or gave it further thought? Just jumped straight into it. But, you know, we didn't call it Dom's back then, did we? We just said, oh, I'm fucking sore. I'm really sore. Yeah. <laughs> There's now it's, science all these, involved. All these acronyms have come into it and it's, it's I don't know, I, I just like mm. saying you know, sore the next day. But, yeah, yeah jump straight back yeah. into it. That was it. We were addicted. We had, a, we had a teacher, as you probably remember, an English teacher, and he had he had – pretty good arms didn't he he was like in his mid 40s mr wasilenko he was an avid weight trainer um and he had all these veins popping out of his arms and stuff and we we were just fascinated by the whole thing weren't we mm, yeah that's right it was a that was like a, an example of how it could be you know we, we thought mr wasilenko was old there he was probably 32 he was about 45 i think at that time Okay, so so and and so through your weight training and and um, and martial arts and and the and these other physical endeavors over the years, can you remember when um, you started to get an interest in longevity and and wondering you know how long you can p- push your own physical envelope, so to speak? Mm. I um, started getting into that from a pretty early age, so around the age of twenty twenty one. I had a had a um, episode of atrial fibrillation, which is a irregular heartbeat. So it's an irregular sinus rhythm of the heart where the, the two chambers of the heart don't pump together. They start going out of sync like that, and it sort of the heart flutters. 
and um, ended up in hospital a couple of times. Now, usually it's more elderly people who get that, although very fit people and athletes can sometimes suffer from atrial fibrillation as well, as well as other different types of irregular heartbeats. So I, I became very conscious of health, not just, you know, not just wanting to be fit or big or anything like that. I was very health conscious right from my early 20s. So um, back then there wasn't much internet around, so I had to do my, a lot of research at the library and stuff like that of how to treat atrial fibrillation because the doctors really had no clue at the time. There was a couple of drugs that they prescribed. One of the uh, side effects of those drugs was possible sudden death. So <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, seriously in the, in the, um, you know, in the, in the side that the papers for the side effects for the drugs was listed possible sudden death as well as <laughs> other irregular heartbeats. So I very quickly decided to get off that medication. <laughs> yes. Was back then, <laughs> hey, they were at least honest about it back then. Um, yeah, so I managed <laughs> to get, years off, get, off, really. get off that and uh, fix it myself. And uh, yeah, I just did a lot of research into health and and. And, and what, what type of actions did you take in order to kind of settle down your heart and to to feel feel safe in physical endeavour again? Because did did it uh, put you off exercising when oh, yeah. your heart's not quite right? Like, was there a time where you had to pull back from? Uh, exerting yourself too much and weight heavy weight training and that type of thing. Yeah, for a couple of years, I was I was actually really scared to to um to do that sort of stuff because I would feel those heart flutters and you know skipped beats and things like that, and it, and it always made me worry that it was going to kick into an irregular rhythm and I was going to end up back in hospital. So, um, what I first thing I looked at was the obvious stuff like caffeine, you know, things like because I used to drink a lot of iced coffees at the time, not not too much really looking back, but coffee was the first thing I got rid of. Second thing was, um, you know, getting a bit more sleep, you know, not not trying to, you know, not burning the candle at both ends like we used to when we were younger and, you know, working all night at the factory and then going out on the town all night and drinking and coming back, you know, I mean, stuff young people do. But for me, cut all that out. Stop drinking alcohol, actually, altogether. Yeah. Um, that can actually be a trigger for it. So, I, yeah. I stopped. You don't drink alcohol. No, I, I, I stopped at about 20, 20 21 because of yeah. that reason um and other 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 little things i started researching like grounding earthing so mm. getting your bare feet on the on the ground or at the beach the wet sand at the beach or you know damp wet grass where you can actually earth and get rid of some of the electrical charge out of your body because we all pick up electricity from all the appliances and the wiring and everything around us and we are we are insulated from the earth we're not grounded because we're all wearing rubber soled shoes so mm. um, for, for, for millions of years, you know, Homo sapiens walked around barefoot or, you know, for hundreds or even thousands of years, it was leather soled shoes. And then it, then it suddenly, you know, only about, I don't know, 60 years ago, I guess, turned into rubber soled shoes. And that's sort of separated us from having that connection with the earth. And I found so, that, yeah, found that to work. so there wasn't any connection between the, the, the heart fluctuations and, um, a massive intake of uh, Joe Weeder's Mega Mass 2000. It could have been. I quit that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. No. If, if you look at some of those old weight gaining powders, things the heart settled down. Yeah, I mean, you, 3, Mega Mass 3000 <laughs> after that. It was fine. I think I was up to 5,000. <laughs> Is that the one that said sudden death on it? <laughs> well, no, Joe Weeder wasn't that honest. Joe Weeder wasn't that transparent. Um, but 
if you look at the ingredients in Mega Mass 2000 and Mega Mass, it, I mean, there's a massive ingredients list, and a lot of it is, you know, pretty hard to decipher what it actually is. So, yeah, just Most you know, I, sugar, I believe. There's a lot of that too. Yeah, and and whey, sugar, and whey. Yeah. I think are the key ingredients there. <laughs> so, so this what what was a like um uh, I guess a, a, a potentially um a, a health um issue that could have taken you away from weight training and martial arts for the rest of your life. You went, kind of lent into it and used it as an opportunity to learn more about how how your instrument works. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of the other big things there was meditation. Got quite heavily into meditation around that time. And I think <clears throat> that just obviously helps calm the nervous system uh, down a bit and a whole lot of other things, um, a lot of other positive effects. So meditation was a huge one for me. That really helped. So it was a combination of all those things, you know, dietary changes. Tried being a vegetarian for a while. That that wasn't that didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Um but, but it was a whole combination of dietary factors, a few supplements like magnesium um, and potassium. Obviously, if you've got irregular heart rhythms, those those can be really helpful and they yeah. were for me. And it was just a combination of all those factors that kind of got the whole thing under control and it wasn't really um, an issue after that. Hmm. And and so for, for somebody like Joe, um, he's a young athlete, 25 years of age, um, kind of embarking on, you know, the, the next stage of his um, professional sporting career and then looking perhaps beyond that um, what what are some what are some of the, the advice that you would give somebody who's kind of at the peak of their game now but kind of with half an eye to wanting to still stay strong fit healthy uh, into their 40s 50s and beyond um, well I'm sure that Joe would agree a big part now is injury prevention firstly isn't it like you you can you can accumulate a lot of injuries you know obviously not just during fighting itself but the training um so you want to you definitely want to avoid you know joint um damage have you had any major injuries joe or at this point um, there's a list but the biggest one is i've had a disc bulge in my back for yeah almost five years now um and it was really bad at the start but um i've got exercises that sort of got me to a manageable level but Mm. yeah so it's like I deal with it, and I'm not in pain right now. But I've, yeah. there's always it comes and goes when I'm when it's like crippling and um, yeah. Uh, if I could get rid of anything, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, and of course the the grappling can be pretty rough on things like that, can't it? That's how I got it. I think. Yeah. yeah, rolling. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the hard bit with that. Um, a lot of that comes down to your training partners, doesn't it? You know, not training with yeah. well, training with people you trust. Yeah, I think not so much this one. I was working on insecurity and I was sitting in my car for a long time for like 12 hours in not a great position. And then I got um, sprawled on at training. So I think it was already there. Mm. They say you already, if you have a disc bulge, you've already got it, but mm. it's just not. You're waiting for that thing yeah, to. You're waiting for something for it to push against the nerve. And then, um, so I think I already had it, but then in wrestling. Yeah, and what are what are some of the more common um, issues, Daniel, that kind of lead to uh, athletes kind of slowing down, maybe prematurely, and and what are some of those? Um, I guess those, those are remediating um, uh, uh, things that you can do in order to uh, keep yourself, you know, strong, living um, longer. Mm, I think one of the one of the big things that you see is uh, 
especially in in probably mixed martial arts because you've got so many um different facets to to focus on you've got your grappling you've got jiu-jitsu but you've also got wrestling which is you know very explosive you've got your striking you know you've got your conditioning as well and then sometimes athletes go off and then they they do weight training on top of that but they do they do weight training that just really adds to the stress on the joints it, it really not just doubles it up but triples it up so if you're if you're doing all that heavy martial arts and combat sports training and conditioning do you really want to then go and do you know exercises that are really more for powerlifters? you know like heavy military press heavy clean and snap um clean and jerks heavy bench press heavy deadlift i mean that is it's a lot of stress on the body when you add that with all the mixed martial arts training and all the impact and the sparring and everything else and even the pad work you know all that stuff is a stress on the joint so i think if you're gonna do resistance training and i think this goes for pretty much anyone especially older people as well do resistance training in a very safe way that really works the muscles and not so much it doesn't put the joints into um compromised positions and you know put excess strain on the ligaments tendons and cartilage and you know do, do you really need to be doing um 180 or 200 kilo deadlifts if you're if you're doing mma or kickboxing i know some people do and they're very strong and maybe you can in your early 20s but it's a hell of a lot of stress on the body you know you want to work your body in a say in a way that allows you to do it for the rest of your whole life you know if you i've had two acl tears both knees acl reconstructions in both knees and it really compromises your ability to um to do certain things so obviously it would have been far better to not have those injuries in the first place um but now i've got to work around them so i've got to work the muscles in a very very safe way where the joints are not put under undue stress but 100 percent of the stress goes to the muscles so you have to choose very biomechanically um, efficient exercises and and many 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 exercises you see people doing are not biomechanically efficient you know you like for example i, I was watching a kickboxer um at the gym the other day he was doing preacher curls like this on the preacher curl bench hmm. preacher curls and a lot of people don't realize this because you're, you're angled like that with your arms right you've got the pad here we sort of angled 45 degrees like that when you've got that barbell in your arms all the weight is going down there is a hundred percent of stress on the bicep tendon in that extended position there when you're when you're up here with it you, there's no stress at all because it's going straight down the forearm but if you're doing if you're doing preacher curls like this there is a tremendous amount of stress on the bicep tendon a lot of um bicep tears occur in that bottom right in that bottom part of the preacher curl so Your arm just- looked ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear a single thing you said. <laughs> um, Your but, arms look three times bigger than the last time I saw you. They're like enormous. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like Mr. Olympia put his arm up. <laughs> Nothing like that. But yeah, so so the pre the preacher curl is a very biomechanically inefficient exercise, which is potentially extremely dangerous as well. But people do it because they don't realize the physics of it. The way if you if you're doing a standing dumbbell curl, biomechanically it's very efficient. You know, when you when you're in the extended position, there is not excess or undue strain on the bicep tendon. You know, no one, no one tears their bicep doing, you know, good form dumbbell curls, but they do tear their biceps doing massively heavy deadlifts and preacher curls and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, and of course, with martial arts, the shoulders take a hell of a lot of stress. There's your shoulder, everything you do involves your shoulders, punching, elbows, you know, grappling, everything else. So if you're going to start chucking on top of that really heavy military presses, 
heavy presses, which every gym tells people to do, you're putting a massive amount of strain on the shoulder joint. You don't have to do exercises like that. There's other ways to train those muscle groups that are that are much, much safe, safer. So um, Joe was explaining before that uh, in our last uh, episode that uh, he was essentially given the, the, the weightlifting Bible by his brother. And uh, within that, it was you know, the, the sets, the rep range, the, quite that traditional bodybuilding style of training that you know three to five sets, um, working up to a work set, that eight to 12 rep range, you know, that, that type of very traditional training that I think we, we all kind of grew up with. Mm. Um, do you, how, how has your thinking changed uh, around training from those days to now? Um, I, for me personally, I, I would do, say, 30 reps for my first set, so nice and light, but, but that's a hard 30 reps, so you know, almost going to failure on that 30th rep or, or close to failure. Second set would be about 20 reps. Now, I never used to do reps that high before ever. So 30 reps, 20 reps, say 15 reps, and then maybe 10 reps is the heaviest set. But the last, well, pretty much all of those sets are to failure, so it's intense. But yeah. for me at this point, I don't really go below 10 reps. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing that, though. If you want to do six reps, five reps, that's fine too. But I don't think there's any reason for combat athletes to be doing two or three reps or certainly not one rep maxes and things like that. It's just not really, I, I don't think it's helpful for um, athletics or combat sports, maybe, you know, for a specific powerlifting or um, weightlifting scenario. Yes, but not for, not for general athletics. Cause what are we trying to do? We're trying to have, we're trying to have general conditioning and strength and um, you know, decent muscular development. We're not trying to, we're not powerlifters or, or, you know, strong men or something like that. So, the, the, what, what, sorry, Dan. Yeah. You so I was going to say that the main thing that gives for me now is is the exercise selection. So I've got a, a book here. I just want to show you guys this this book, uh, Physics of Exercise Resistance. See that? Mm-hmm. That's written by uh, Doug Brignoli, who is an absolute genius on this subject. He's um. Californian former Mr. Universe. He's now in his early 60s, but he's an absolute genius when it comes to exercise selection and biomechanics. He, he'll this book shows you like it talks about all the common exercises that are used. So military press, you know, dips, um, upright rows, um, heavy barbell squats, all that. And it talks about how efficient they are or are not, and all the disadvantages of some of those popular exercises. And it's, it's really amazing. Like it goes right into the science and the physics of it. And really not a lot of um, personal trainers and not a lot of gyms, they, they don't really know about biomechanics. They don't know about um, the different uh, prints. For example, military press or shoulder, any shoulder press, doesn't matter if it's barbell press or dumbbell press. The shoulders have only got about 180 degrees of rotation there like that. From there to there. If we're doing a military press, we are putting all of that weight and all of that stress in that, especially behind the neck press, which is what we used to do in the in the 90s, right? Behind the neck press. It's one mm-hmm. of the worst things you can do because you're in that that very um, extreme rotated position. You've got the barbell behind your neck. You're going up and down, and the shoulder is just crunching in there. Almost everyone who's been weight training for years has some shoulder problems. So what do they do? They go in the gym and they do little rotator cuff exercises with the dumbbells like that or the cables. They do these ones with dumbbells. 
And then the, what do they do? They go straight back and do heavy military press, which is the thing that's been causing their problems for all these years in the first place. You, mm. what, are, what are we trying to do with military press? What what muscles are we trying to... This is a question for you guys. What muscles are we trying Anterior to develop? Anterior deltoid tricep. Anterior, Anterior deltoid, deltoid tricep. Okay. Anterior deltoid. Yeah. There's an exercise you can do lying down on a flat bench with d- dumbbells in your hands like this, pressing with... with elbows in it's very hard for me to show like this and you're pressing like this on a flat bench with dumbbells and that is actually the path of the the front delts there Mm. and and you're not in any extreme um you know extremely rotated point of the range of motion it's just a nice and all that stress goes on there a little bit on the triceps as as well of course but you don't have to do those overhead presses to work that particular muscle group it's it's what everyone's always done, but it's just mm. not necessary. It can work. It builds muscle, but at what cost? Yeah. And yeah. what are some of the more costly movements and uh, exercises that people should be keeping away from, do you think, and especially as they're getting older or to the end of their sporting careers? Dentalist. <laughs> overhead press would be a big one dips heavy dips or even dips in general because when you go down to that bottom part of the dip you're really stretching that dips are actually much more of a uh, front deltoid exercise than what people think more so than chest even because the, the 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 pathway of the chest is this this basic movement here it's not really dips this mm. puts a hell of a strain in the shoulders upright rows same thing a lot of strain pinching uh, impingement in the shoulders up the top here I mean, my shoulders were always sore for years, for decades, and it was mainly mm. for doing overhead press and upright rows. What are we trying mm. to work with the upright rows? Side delts. How do you work them? Cable side raises. That is the pathway for that particular muscle group. Um, heavy barbell squats, trying to work the quads, glutes. Okay, so if we do heavy barbell squats, say you do um, – 120 kilo or 150 kilo barbell squats. Probably only about 40% of that weight goes to the actual quads, maybe 30 or 40 to the glutes, maybe 20 or 30 to the lower back. And all of that spinal compression from 120 Mm. or 150 kilos. Why not work those muscle groups separately where there's absolutely zero spinal compression? There are, there are exercises you can do for your quads, for example, that, have zero spinal compression but a hundred percent stress on the actual quad muscles then you can go and work your glutes separately now in sports they always say compound movements are the best you've got to do movements where you're working multiple muscle groups all at once because what i'm sort of talking about is more isolation you know using exercises that really isolate each muscle group but it's sort of based on a false premise that if you work the muscle separately they won't be able to all work together which is a bit ridiculous, really, because if you work your muscle groups separately, when you do use them together in whatever activity you're doing, they'll know how to work together. Mm. The body knows how to work as a unit. You don't have to do nothing but compound. In fact, you don't even have to do compound movements because when you're doing your martial arts, Joe, you know this, when you're doing sprawls, they are your compound movements. Yeah. 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 When you're doing... Jesus, when you're hitting the tie pads, I mean, you can't get more of a compound move than that using your entire whole body. Every mm. kick, every punch, you know, every sprawl you do, every um, 
basically every movement we do it's a compound movement so do we really have to do all that in the gym as well i don't know something mm. to think about it's the um, thing with uh when you were saying before about people getting injured everyone that injures themselves in the gym that i work at is always deadlifts always <laughs> i don't oh, see yeah. people for a couple of weeks they come oh. back i say where you been oh i've been hit myself how would you yeah. do that deadlifts every single time it's just so easy to get it slightly wrong one mm. rep and then bang your lower back's popped out or you, or you get yeah. to the end and you do one lazy one at the end yeah. i'll that's just right. make it eight gotta make it even yeah yeah. <laughs> you, yeah that's right yeah you you guys are so right matt that's exactly it you sooner or later you will do a bad rep you can't not you know, because people go, oh, but if you got good form, you won't hurt yourself. Yeah, but you can't, you will do a bad rep at some point. You mm. will, you will stuff up your lower back at some point. We've all done it. Like you said, yeah. everyone's done it. Or, you know, even worse with the over under grip, that when you've got that under grip on the barbell for your um, deadlifts, oh, that's yes. when the biceps, that's when they get those bicep tears. I mean, yeah, how many great people- to watch on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> great so, to watch on YouTube when somebody, when somebody does both biceps at the same time uh, i know oh my god and, and joe how about this you, you you're trapped in an arm bar hmm. and you know and you try and pick the person up off the ground bang that's happened before to heaps of okay. fighters you know they've got a bicep <laughs> <laughs> because they're in that they're in that extended position with their arm carrying the whole body weight of the other person who's you know got their legs up here and then their, yeah. legs, their arms in that fully extended position and you've got that potential for the uh bicep rupture or the tear of the bicep tendon so, yeah, it is stuff to be careful of for sure. Um, so you're saying with the um, the shoulder press, especially with dumbbells, just trying to get the body things up into position. <laughs> but it takes like half your strength just to get them up there. You're trying to flick one to one shoulder, one shoulder, and then yeah, by the time you've actually got them up and you're ready to start, you're like, I got nothing left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what do you what do you think it is that a lot of people gravitate to those exercises? Are they because they're what's familiar and what people learnt when they first started training, and and because they started training that way, they grew that way, and and so that there's a now an insecurity related to moving away from some of those uh, injury uh, creating movements. Yeah, yeah. Because well, there's a host, there's a historical reason. Oh, hang on, I've just got this. Um coming up there's a there's a historical reason why all those movements came into being because originally strength development it was all about showing strength so it was all about performing strength in front of large groups of people back in the day you know 100 200 years ago so it was all about how much weight can you lift up and press or it was that type of thing so that's that's Oh, oh, I'm actually do doing that most most Sundays. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um but yeah, it's because that's what we all learned. We all it all started with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, his um, his uh, encyclopedia of bodybuilding, you know, where he he showed all the exercises he did. And we all, it wasn't just Arnie; it was all the bodybuilders in the in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. And we all assumed that if we do what they did, we will look like them, mm. and not realizing that for starters, Arnie had incredible genetics. Number one, two, they were all on copious amounts of steroids, which we weren't. And three, now we're, you know, we're middle-aged men or beyond. Mm-hmm. So we're not 22-year-old Arnie's, you know. Arnie did, what, four, five, six exercises per muscle group. So for chest, mm-hmm. he would do flat bench, he'd do incline bench, he'd do incline flies, flat flies, and maybe cable crossovers. Mm-hmm. And we assumed that uh, – Doug Brignoli talks about this a lot, and it's a really good point. We assume that all of those exercises contributed to his development. 
how do you know that it wasn't really the flat bench, the flat dumbbell press, for example, that actually contributed to 90 or 90% or most of his development? How do we know that all those exercises contributed equally? How do we Mm. know that he didn't really need to do two or three of those exercises? He would have got just the same growth with maybe one or two. Mm. We don't know. We've just assumed that they all have equal value. So we've got to do, we've got to hit every muscle from every angle. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, the muscles really, each muscle does pretty much one thing. Contracts or it doesn't. Yeah, the muscle doesn't know whether you're lifting a barbell or if it's a cable or if it's a push-up or, you know, Mm. it's going to contract or it's not under resistance. Yeah, and it contracts in a certain direction. So think about this, right, the the chest, the pectorals, we've always been taught to do incline presses for the upper chest. Have to do incline presses. Just now, tense tense your upper chest just so you can feel the upper part of your pec. How, how would you tense your – what would you do just so you can feel that nice and hard? Just bring you up. Yeah? Joe's doing it. Joe is exactly doing it, right? You go like this. What's that? That's yeah. a decline press. That's not an incline press. Yeah. You tense your upper chest by doing a decline press Yeah. or, or a flat press. If you start – no one goes like this to feel their upper chest and start sticking That's their arm upwards. Yeah. You go like this because instinctively we know – a, a decline dumbbell press will work the entire pec muscle from top to bottom, believe it or not. We've always been taught declines are only for the lower chest. It's not true. You can try it yourself. Mm. You go and do a, a slight decline dumbbell press, and you will feel that upper chest contracting more than if you do an incline press. So so you're you're now 46 years of age and, and in really good shape. Um, have, have you... Has your trajectory always been getting stronger and stronger every year, or have you oscillated and had times away? You, you mentioned through through health, like you 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 moved away from the heavy weight training for a while. Um, how's your relationship been with weights over the years, over the decades? Um, you know, young being younger, you want to get stronger and stronger, but you get to a point where you realise you you're as strong as you need to be. You know, mm-hmm. I'm as strong as I need to be. I'm not going to get any stronger at this age, really. Mm-hmm. If I if I do start training a lot heavier, that then the the chance of incurring an injury goes up. You know, at what point did you point. Started, what point did you started thinking that way? Like, it, it was it an injury that got you thinking that way, or yeah, probably probably having really sore shoulders for about 15 years. So yeah. probably about six seven years ago, I went. I don't need to keep going heavier and heavier. What I need to do is train intelligently, train correctly with good form and go to failure on all of, on most of my sets, not all of them, but most mm. of my sets go to muscular failure. And if you're doing that, you're training intense enough to build or maintain muscle, have as much strength as you need from day to day. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, anything I need to do in daily life that would entail me having to um, put 200 kilos above my head or something. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and and diet-wise, diet like how, how things change there because I, I, you're kind of somewhat famous for your for your, your marrow soups and that type of thing. <laughs> you get all your gelatin and uh, out of the bones, the bone bone broth soups and that type yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, is that's not certainly something you wouldn't have when you were 25 years of age, but now it's uh, it's become a staple. Yeah, yeah, because we, we eat a lot of um, meat in the Western world, but we don't eat nose to tail, so we don't eat a lot of gelatin. 
we're eating a lot of, um, you know, the lean muscle. <laughs> the tail. Yeah. yeah, I mean, back in the old, back in the, you know, in the day, people would eat the entire animal from head to tail and all the mm. organs as well, and they'd be getting a good amount of gelatin in their diet, and which contains glycine, which we are lacking in because we mainly lean muscle meats. So to mm. supplement your diet with either hydrolyzed collagen, which is a good source of um, uh, it's, it's another form of gelatin. So it's got a lot of glycine in it as well. Hydrolyzed collagen powder or gelatin granules, which you can buy, or you can make your own bone broth, bone broth soups where you're cooking bones and, and chicken carcasses for, uh, you know, eight hours. And when you put it in the fridge overnight, the next day it's like jelly because it's full of gelatin, which is great for your joints, your skin, cartilage, all that sort of stuff. And your hair. Not that it's freaking out your friends. <laughs> Good for freaking out your friends. Um, but yeah, it's the gelatin and collagen is really important for your joints. So yeah, I was just going to touch on that. They're really good for your your joints. Good for your hair. You were saying. Yeah, it's not really working for me that unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and good for your good for your skin. Um, your skin. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you know, it's interesting that we live in an age where you know people are always sold on you know getting skin products and all of this type of thing, but you know would never think to to have a you know a, a broth stew or something like that or a, you know. A, <laughs> Matt, Matt's just like this is, this is ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be going this to you. <laughs> but then yeah, he's, right. Matt he's getting moisturizer though. So yeah. Do, yeah, there you go. That's right. But um, uh, what, what's that? You mentioned magnesium earlier. Um, what what uh, is magnesium helping with in a supplement form? Magnesium. So magnesium can help with uh, muscle cramps if you're prone to muscle cramps. It can help with um, well, it's certainly with the helping regulate the heartbeat. So the um, you know, the electrical rhythm of the heart. If you're, if you're lacking in magnesium, it can cause issues there. Um, has to be balanced with potassium. So you have to have the right balance there with magnesium and potassium. Magnesium also in the evening is good to help you sleep if you're having trouble sleeping. So for recovery, that's the other thing. A lot of athletes don't don't put as much emphasis on recovery, do, do they? I mean, you know, we train hard, train hard, train hard. But okay, what about the recovery? What about the rest? What about the sleep? So magnesium can help a lot with sleep. Um, and if you want a good something to really help you sleep, magnesium, glycine, you can get glycine powder from bulk nutrients, very cheap. So like five grams of that, have a magnesium and then a melatonin and you'll sleep eight hours. And, and how critical is sleep? Pretty critical. Longevity. You'd be dead without it within, you know, a certain amount of days or weeks. <laughs> we're waiting for <laughs> I don't think you slept since Sunday. Unless you're a vampire. I mean, um, Matt. Do you sleep or? Uh, minimally, yes. Uh, yeah, doing a lot of things at the moment. But, uh, yeah. You're doing a lot of things. Sleeping isn't one of them. <laughs> that's right. No, that's right. I, haven't, I don't know. I, well, today for, I haven't slept for a couple of days, but yeah. It's, oh, really? Yeah, and I go to work all night. It happens. It happens, yeah. Um, yeah, sleep is so important. Is that from work or? Uh, work and, and then work during the day as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That is a man of many interests. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. Sleep isn't one of them. That's right. <laughs> but hey, but um, Matt, you you yourself would know it's hard to to function optimally in the gym when you're not sleeping. Yeah, especially for two or three days, and you're gonna the intensity is gonna start dropping off. The recovery drops off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's where you know. I guess for me, it's like mentality can can switch you into it. But yes, it's, 
where you, you know so you get the right song or you get the right um scenario that you build in your mind before you train then you can you know you can go through anything but it, it does it does matter in terms of like you know if it's day three of not, no yeah. sleep and then it catches you know, up with you. you know you really gotta you really gotta have a reason because it's like your body's saying, hey, I need to sleep. I need to, you know, stop. I love the fact we've met us after day three. But after day two, just Jesse's girl and you're, you're doing like three sets. <laughs> Heavy work sets, that's all you do. It's a good song. <laughs> it is a good song. It's, it gets you through. But you're right, yeah. You can push through, push through. But at a certain point, you've got you to gotta get that recovery. And, um, you know, I mean, yeah. So how many body, how many bodybuilders have died lately? Look at that. I mean, yeah, it's really I mean, yeah, it's got lots of reasons for that. But um, but everything mm. everything catches up with us sooner or later. But yeah, sorry, mm. Dave, cut you off there. Synth old man, synth old man, synth old man. Yeah, how did how was oh, um? He burst. Popped his way. Rio Vladimir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exploded. Oh, he popped oh, his oh, cherry. Rio. Rio. <laughs> the the <laughs> Rio, the Raul of uh, Castro of uh, the Raul of Greg Valentino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just so, jump in for a second, Joe? I, I do recognise you from Cardioflex. Yeah, you, you fought you fought at the Apex Sports Fest, yeah. I fought at the right? first the first one. Yeah, the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you've got a lot of muscle mass. Like you've got, you know, I did. I you, did you, then for sure. Um, How are you maintaining that with doing all the, um, doing all the, you know, the cardio and the, all the fighting training? Well, I started lifting when I was 17 and I was telling these guys, I sort of was given a blueprint so I didn't have to figure things out myself. And um, I think now it's just what I have now is what I've got Mm. because I don't touch weights. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got a weight class. He's got a uh, meat for MMA, 84 mm. kilos. If he, if he starts lifting in the gym, yeah. he's going to yeah. hit way over the top of that. Apparently yeah. every time he looks to the right in the gym, he puts on five kilos. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. can't yeah. look at the weight. Yeah, yeah. But you were one of the much bigger um, fighters, you know, in terms of muscle mass for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a – yeah, so it's been a big journey of like mm. with all the cardio, it comes off, it yeah. falls off through eight weeks of running and and I'm always running anyway, but – yeah, the weight falls off, but a lot of the muscle falls off. But the important strength that I need stays. That's right. So, yeah. like grip strength. Um, yeah. Mm. What do you, What do you make of some of those uh, studies, Daniel, about the um, uh, people being able to deadlift their way to cardio fitness enough to be able to um, do it, run a marathon or a half mm. marathon, and within a matter of weeks? What? By just by deadlifting. Yeah, yeah, they, they they deadlifted their way to uh, to fitness to be able to run a half marathon on on like six weeks, and that's all that they did without practicing running. Um, <clears throat> that sounds a bit odd to me because to me, yeah, maybe it's an odd story. Me, you guys think. Um, <laughs> Training is very. Similar. A lot of parameters. I thought, I, well, I, I just yeah. No, sorry, I thought we discussed it previously. So now, now it just sounds like a weird random question. But yeah, yeah well, there, no, was no, study, uh, there, there was a study that somebody had uh, yeah prepared for uh, running long distance by uh, by doing deadlifts and not by uh, running, and uh, because they hadn't worn through their ankles and and their knees and that type of thing, they uh, they were able to do it, but. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's a, a little bit. And and when are you running your half marathon? <laughs> yeah, that was the next question. 
Oh, I don't know. I've got to get my deadlifts happening first. I'm spending deadlifting. That, that sounds odd to me because because training is usually pretty specific, isn't it? I mean, you get really mm. good at one thing. Like um, you might be really really bloody good at um, at jogging, but that mm. doesn't necessarily translate to swimming. You know, no, or no, you, right. you, you might yeah. be really good at you might have tons of endurance on the ty- Muay Thai pads, but um, not so much on That's the grappling mats. Yeah, it's mm. usually it's usually very specific. So. Yeah. That's interesting, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, it may even be made up. So let's look. <laughs> did you just make <laughs> it up? Yes, yeah. It, it was that time I ran a half marathon after doing four deadlifts, <laughs> and um, pretty good time. Anyway, I'll tell you about you that next a, episode. You you <laughs> yeah, that's what it's going to do. How do I run a half marathon? Doing no preparation. <laughs> Basically, the question yeah, yeah. is: Is it just deadlift. lots of collagen? What, what are we talking about? What are we going to do? Lots of uh, yeah. positive thinking. Maybe it's Jesse's girl. Maybe you need that playing in. Yeah, yeah, just on loop. Yeah. yeah, I'll just keep this girl. That'll be enough. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, though. For all athletics, and this is interesting because this isn't just athletes we're talking about now. This is everyone especially as we get old what happens so as an athlete you've got to use your strength and you've got to use your strength um in in fast explosive um bouts of action don't you like we're not you know what happens to us all when we get older if you look at your average 60 or 70 year old everyone moves slower no Mm. no one does any fast movements anymore Mm. they don't they they lose their um capacity well they they we all get sarcopenia as we get older so we all get age-related muscle loss three to five percent per decade so they reckon that men or anyone actually men or women when, we could lose between, you? hey when does that start for you um i'm not sure um <laughs> I think it, started, I think, <laughs> it started when i came out of the womb disadvantage from the beginning but yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the time we're 70 we could have lost 40 sitting there with glasses <laughs> we could have lost 40 percent of our muscle mass by the time we're 70 or even 50 percent. half of our muscle mass could be gone by the time we're 70 and that mm. that's what happens for most people we have slow twitch muscle fibers we have fast twitch muscle fibers and we have lesser known super fast twitch muscle fibers that's so, all that joe's made up of that's just, yeah, by the way 100%. <laughs> but, but that's what he'd be using in his in his um mma you know those mm. super fast twitch muscle fibers now as we get older no one does any fast movements anymore so all their fa- super fast twitch muscle fibers just atrophy down mm. and the super fast twitch fibers consist from what i've read between 30 to 30 to 40 percent of our entire musculature is are mm. these super fast twitch muscle fibers give or take depending on the individual but so it's really important to keep doing fast explosive movements as we get older now do you mean in the gym or or in terms of uh what, what type of movements would you be suggesting for people that want to generally is it mostly <laughs> is it mostly deadlifts what kind of movements would you be suggesting for people who uh, may be in their mid to late 40s that are looking to keep you know, muscular for instance. <laughs> it's just that mumble there that always gets me the day one. He's always done that mumble where he trails off at the end of a sentence. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
sprint sprinting sprint training and okay. and you, okay so you can do sprint training outside you can run your 100 meters or your even your 70 meters you can do um now if you're doing that at 45 or 50 years old we've, we've got to warm up a lot before mm. we're able to do that far safer to do it in the gym on a piece of cardio equipment so an assault bike um you know a, a recumbent bike you can do them on ellipticals as well but you're you are doing an all-out 30 second sprint as hard as you possibly can 30 seconds 90 seconds recovery and then doing another hard 30 you do that eight times so that is oh, that yeah. is phil campbell's sprint eight protocol another book i'm pitching right here I like the fact right that the books are mirrored, so they're coming out backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Bill Campbell wrote this book. It is a fantastic book detailing the benefits of Sprint 8 for everyone, but particularly aging people, you know, middle-aged, even elderly senior people in their 70s. He's got clients in their 80s and 90s doing um, doing the Sprint 8 program, and they're also competing in Commonwealth uh, events, so they're doing uh, long jump and sprinting, and it's, it's absolutely incredible, absolutely mm. incredible. And, the idea is to keep those super fast twitch muscle fibers uh, as we age. So, as I said, you can do it safely. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us uh, just a, a little bit before we depart about um, escape velocity, uh, some of the ideas around living long enough to be able to take advantage of uh, what technology might have in store for us as, uh, to prolong our lives. Prolong our lives. Longevity, escape velocity. Yeah. Longevity, escape velocity. So the mm. idea behind that is longevity escape velocity would be defined as a time when medical science gets to a point where they can actually slow down or reverse the aging process faster than we can age. So if we were to age, say, a year, well, so if chronologically, so if we were to, to age 12 months, because 12 months has passed, so a chronological age is a year older, medical science has enabled us to either stay at that same age we were a year ago biologically or even reverse that even more slightly. So if we can get to that point with medical science, the theory is we've reached longevity, longevity escape velocity, and then the technology will increase exponentially. And theoretically, we can keep that biological age down. So in theory, we don't actually biologically age. And, and how far away do you think we might be from, from that? Based on my studies and calculations, Dave, and my experimentation, um, <laughs> no, based on um, what author and longevity expert Aubrey de Grey says, he thinks there's a 50% 50, 50 chance that we are about 15 years away from that. Hmm. So he also says there's a 5% chance that we're about 100 years away from that. But right. there is a good chance he's, that he's leaving his options pretty open. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You yeah. can't be wrong Either with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is a, genius. Yeah. There is there's a high a, likelihood that in the next 15 years, this could actually become a reality. Where even we could if actually... Mark, so even if uh, Marcus de Aubrey um, was able to reverse the aging process, I don't think his hair would be able to keep up and would probably <laughs> keep getting older. <laughs> but yeah but um but there's already there's already things there's things happening now which are very very interesting where they they've actually noticed a a reduction in, in the biological age of you know rats mice now they're starting to apply it to humans so a couple about three years ago they did a study called the trim trial where they gave a cocktail of um drugs and supplements to participants and with one year of treatment, they managed to reverse their biological age by 2.5 years. 
Wow. Which is pretty much, it was the first time that that's ever, ever been studied and quantified like that. Mm. So what, what they were trying to do was to regrow the thymus gland, which sits behind our breastbone, which is the, the, um, it's the master controller of our immune system. So mm. we all have a thymus gland, which is what produces T cells. So T cells are obviously very important in terms of um, immunity. Mm. But what happens is once once we reach puberty, our thymus actually starts atrophying. It starts to um, starts to shrink, mm. and that that's from early teens. So by the time we're say sixty or seventy, we don't really have a thymus anymore. It's just like a lump of fat. So what mm. they did was they took they took a bunch of men, ten of them from between the age of 50 and 70, they, they gave them this cocktail of um, treatments and they actually managed to regrow their thymus back, which started mm. to give them new T cells circulating in the bloodstream again, increase their immune function. But what they didn't expect was a complete biological age reversal in all the cells of the body. And that's what they yeah. that's what they noted, which was a something they didn't actually expect. So now they're doing a, um, a follow-up trial, Trimex trial, where they're using, I think they've got somewhere between 30 or 100 participants they're getting more and more participants all the time they're trying to really refine this and to see if there's any difference between males and females and you know at what age can we still do this can an 80 or a 90 year old can they get an age reversal effect can they regrow their thymus that's the type of stuff they're looking at now so that's really really interesting really really fascinating a lot of a lot of yeah i there's a good chance that 10 or 20 years from now we'll all be doing some sort of rejuvenation or age reversal therapies to um to rejuvenate our biological systems in some way so we can get rid of the bone marrow soups from that oh, point you keep doing that oh, you got to keep doing that. <laughs> all that stuff will still be important there's another interesting one happening now which is actually a treatment you can go and get matt you can do this anytime you want Go to, go to San Francisco. There's a doctor there, Dr. Kiprov, and what he's doing is plasma um, uh, plasma exchange therapy. So he's basically taking all the plasma out of someone's body and replacing it with saline and albumin, and they're noticing an a, a anti-aging or rejuvenating effect by doing that because it takes all the old proteins out of the blood, all the old sort of toxins and all the old proteins that tell your body that you're a certain age, gets rid of it all, dilutes it and there seems to be a rejuvenating effect from that as well wow yeah yeah it's amazing i mean the anti-aging stuff is is incredible and yeah um listening to you know marcus debray about uh was it aubrey aubrey Aubrey. yeah marcus aubrey i was getting confused yeah Yeah. well (laughs) his beard confuses everybody (laughs) i don't know what which part of his mouth is to look at (laughs) (laughs) i think he should just shave the beard off and he would de-age by about 20 years he would de-age by a thousand years yeah (laughs) i Um, think that's his plan he he plans to just shave off one day go look we we did it longevity escape velocity i made it <laughs> yeah, great yeah absolutely yeah for sure but no yeah hearing about you know all these you know, stem cell therapy and, and mm. all the different um ideas yeah. of, of ways to, to make longevity in, in the body is is amazing yeah that's right yeah it is incredible it's really exciting actually we um and, and, and what are a few practical measures that you're undertaking at the moment daniel as part of your daily and weekly protocols that uh, you feel a uh ensuring that you get to escape velocity 
Well, there's no guarantees, but we can only do our best, can't we? So, you know, I, I do my weight training, resistance training five, six times a week. I do sprinting twice a week, stretching. Um, I use the sauna at least once or twice a week. So, you know, it's sauna and then cold showers back and forth, back and forth. The the heat stress is is very good for the body. So there's tons of science on that, how beneficial saunas are for you um, for recovery, but also uh, the cold showers or cold, you know, plunges and all that sort of stuff. Um, can have a really good because it's the uh, it's the hormetic effect on the body so it's a stressor to the body the body reacts by getting stronger or by getting you know better in some aspect so saunas cold cold showers um sunlight not just for the vitamin d but the near infrared uh spectrum of light is really really important we spend most of our time indoors these days we get only probably 20 minutes of near infrared light a day all of our lights in the ceiling, uh, whether it's LED lights or um, fluorescent lights, there's no infrared light from them. Infrared light's really, really important for the functions of the body, for the cells, for the mitochondria, for the um, infrared light can penetrate even your bones and it can actually penetrate your entire body and cause a whole cascade of positive effects. So we don't, we just don't get enough sunlight. So I make sure I get out there and sunbathe as much as I can with skin fully exposed, not just your face. You know, mm. get out there, lie out in the sun. Um, not too much, of course, but um, now supplements, whey protein, creatine. Creatine is the most studied uh, and safest sports supplement that there is. It, it does work to a certain extent, increases muscle volume, can increase um, your ability to maintain muscular contractions over a longer time frame. It's very safe and and. Again, as we get older, probably even more important when you're older. I mean, many 60 or 70-year-olds could probably benefit from adding creatine. In. There's been studies for, for seniors, and it's proven to be very, very beneficial. But they wouldn't. most seniors wouldn't consider it because they think it's a young person's sports supplement. But mm. it would be very beneficial for them. Um, collagen, hydrolyzed collagen, you know, the bone broths, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and in terms of supplements, carnosine, L-carnosine, the amino acid, can be very, very good for helping you maintain muscle mass as we age so i take carnosine carnosine is not readily available in australia you have to send overseas for it a lot of the good ones you can't get here which is really odd um mm. carnosine astaxanthin is a fantastic supplement it's uh from comes from al algae it comes from uh, hawaii actually and it's the it's the red dye in the algae that makes salmon pink because they mm. eat a lot. so salmon are actually quite gray they eat this red algae it makes them pink and it actually gives them far more strength and energy so they can swim upstream to mate at a certain time of year. Um, but astaxanthin protects you from sunlight, basically. So it helps you stay out in the sun longer. You won't get burned as much. Um, gives you UV protection. And a whole host of other supplements. Vitamin D, a lot of people are deficient in vitamin D. Pyrolonic acid is another good one. Again, not readily available in Australia so much. Hyaluronic acid um, can really help your skin and joints as well. You, you have to get that one from overseas, from America. Uh, what else? There's, a, there's, a, there's so much, you know, there's, yeah. there's so list. much research, research, and I do take a lot of supplements, but, yeah. Um, can't think of anything else at the moment, but, yeah. So I think you've covered the, the basics there. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm hoping everybody had their notepads out as you were running through that <laughs> list. And, 
Yeah, so, well, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks so much for sharing some of your thoughts on an area that you're obviously very passionate and knowledgeable about. And uh, anybody who uh, is obviously looking on, on screen right now is seeing the uh, the evidence before you of somebody who does take care of themselves <laughs> and has done for, for many years and uh, and still, like, in, in the autumn of his years, perhaps still, uh, still looking virile, young and strong. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Daniel White, for joining us here on the Daily combat podcast my pleasure thank you gentlemen really nice to chat with you all appreciate it